What is good, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Kevo Bands Hoops Podcast. Back at it again today, man. Tuesday, September 22nd. Today is officially, officially the first day of the fall season, man. So please just end off this year on a high note. We only got pretty much like three months left in this year. Please make each and every single day count so that you can go into the year 2021 with a huge step forward, man, with some positivity going your way and some momentum is always nice to have, man. But hopefully all you guys are having a nice, successful, productive week up until this point, man. Try and put a smile on somebody else's face today, man. It's always nice because you never know what type of battles people are facing by themselves, you know, when they're lonely and got nobody to call upon. So just be nice to people out there. Be as kind as you can be, man, and just focus on you man please control what you can control because i've noticed a lot of people out here always get lost and you know hung over over things that don't really mean anything to them so please just value what you got appreciate your family appreciate the situation that you're in currently because trust me even if you're doing bad right now it is always beauty in the struggle man but hopefully all you guys are doing good Please continue to wear a mask, wash your hands as much as possible, go out and get some sunlight on your skin that kills all viruses, and the coronavirus is no different, man. Also, we are still demanding justice for Breonna Taylor, we are still demanding justice for Elijah McClain, and anybody that's been a victim of police brutality or even worse, police murderings, we are still demanding justice, man. But hopefully, again, you guys are all doing good out there. Enjoy your people, enjoy your loved ones, enjoy life, man, because life is not that bad, but just keep going so let's get into it first actually before i do get into it want to give a shout out to the head coach the newest head coach at jackson state university an hbcu located down in jackson mississippi the 21st head coach in their history of their football program just so happens to be coincidentally prime Dion sanders the greatest defensive back of all time is officially a head coach at a university man shout out to coach Dion sanders man this was all in due time. I knew it was going to happen eventually. He had no choice. I mean, I'm not going to say he had no choice. Of course he did. He's a man. But if you knew Deion Sanders, I don't know him personally, but we could all tell that coach Deion Sanders wanted to be a coach. I thought personally that Florida State should have took a chance on him. I know they're probably going to end up regretting that. But nonetheless, we are happy for Deion Sanders, man. He's more than earned this job. We all know he loves the game of football. He's a football head. He's a football genius. And again, he's the greatest player of all time at his position. That's a big thing. And of course, he's a Hall of Famer, one of the greatest to ever do it. And I have no doubt in my mind that he will bring nothing to success to the Jackson State, not only their football program, but just the school in general. Because me personally, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I never heard of Jackson State up until yesterday when he was announced as officially the newest head coach. But for him to get the job, to be at an HBCU, that's so big. So for all you young, up-and-coming football players out there that are aspiring to be Division One athletes, take a look at HBCUs. And especially take a look at an HBCU that's coached by a Hall of Famer. So again, shout to Coach Prime, shout to Jackson State University. I'm definitely going to be tuned in for your guys' games for years to come, man. But let's get right into the NBA. So as of right now, of course, we are in the conference finals in both sides of each conference in the West. Today, you actually have the Nuggets in game three against the Lakers in that series. The Nuggets are trying to get their first win in that series while the Lakers are trying to get a 3-0 lead in that series. And then on the Eastern side, you got the Miami Heat versus the Celtics where the Heat currently lead that series by game um, by one game where they lead 2-1. to one. And so let's go into the Western Conference Finals real quick. So the first two games, well, actually the first game, game one, 
you had the Lakers just come out and absolutely dominate the Nuggets because I think that was actually the same day that the MVP um, race was announced. And I believe, you know, LeBron James came out and said that he only got 16 out of 101 first place MVP votes. And you could tell LeBron was very disturbed by that. He was kind of mad. And he came out and his team played like it. The Lakers just put their foot on the throat of the Denver Nuggets and they cruised by in a game one victory. In game two, the Nuggets actually came back with some resiliency and they actually came back fighting they were swinging pretty hard jamal murray played pretty well nikola Jokic, the joker played pretty well and the surrounding cast played pretty pretty good too but in the end mason plumley and jeremy grant had some defensive miscommunications i guess they were trying to double team lebron and that freed open anthony davis at the last play of the game ad i believe the lakers are actually down by one at the time Anthony Davis says, forget it. I'm going to take a three-point shot. He hits nothing but net. And as he makes the shot, he yells out Kobe, which is just such poetic justice right there in it, in it, in of itself. And so, shout out to AD for that. The Lakers now lead 2-0. And again, they will try to get a 3-0 series lead tonight, which will be interesting. We'll see what the Nuggets can do. But I do think after that shot that AD hit to win game two, I'm not going to lie. I feel like that shot was kind of like a dagger to the heart for the Denver Nuggets. I can tell, you know, being hitting a shot like that or seeing a shot like that go down, sometimes that can be nothing but demoralizing for the Nuggets. So we'll see. I do think they'll respond in a pretty good way, but I just don't think the Nuggets have enough firepower to compete with the Lakers, especially right now, because I also forgot to mention in game one, Dwight Howard played phenomenal, and I mean phenomenal, on defense versus Nikola Jokic, and on offense, he was catching lobs, he was rebounding, he was just doing every single thing possible that the Lakers could have asked out of Dwight Howard, and he delivered, and so, you know, they're rolling right now, so I do think the Lakers will end up sweeping this series, but I have to believe, and I want to believe, that the Nuggets will show some fight, and they'll try to do their best to stay in this series, and try to make it at least a little bit competitive, but going back to the Eastern Conference Finals, so, in the first two games, the Celtics actually led both of those games by double digits, but the Heat are just so resilient. They have such a, a never-quit, never-give-up type of mentality that they fought back themselves into both of those games. In game one, Jimmy Butler, not only did he hit a shot to send the game to overtime, but he also hit the game winner and won over the outstretched arms of Jason Tatum on a drive to the rack that I still don't know how that shot went in. He called up the game for them. And then game two, you just had an all-around performance. Jimmy Butler also, which a lot of people forget to talk about, he had three steals in the last five minutes of the game to pretty much seal the deal for the Heat in those two first games. And then game three, the Celtics got Gordon Hayward back and the Heat were still playing in that zone. And the help of Gordon Hayward really lifted up the Celtics. And not only did it help them out on both ends of the floor, but defensively, their aggression, their intensity, just everything, their heart, they just stepped it up completely, especially after what they, I guess they had like a little locker room argument. I know a lot of people blew it up, but I know it's not that serious, especially when you're a close team, a team that's been assembled together for the past couple years, even though, of course, they added Kemba Walker last season. But the Celtics are still a tight-knit group, and I have no doubt about in my mind that they were just arguing just because they know how good they are and they blew those leads, and so I know that hurts. But nonetheless, though, the Celtics are going to be fine, especially getting Gordon Hayward back. They're going to be really good. And they did a good job of penetrating and getting to the rack against the Miami Heat zone and against the Miami Heat's man defense too. So again, they did a really good job. You know, Jalen Brown had more than a couple breakaway dunks. Jason Tatum had a breakaway dunk over Jay Crowder that was absolutely nasty. He just punched it over. But if you are a Miami Heat fan, which my myself, I myself am a Miami Heat fan, 
do not be worried at all because even though the Celtics did win that game pretty handily in game three, they still almost gave up the lead again because Jimmy Butler, Tyler Hero, and Duncan Robinson started to knock down some shots and they got right back into the game. The Celtics made that game more competitive than what it had to be because they really should have won that game by 20 plus. But the Heat, again, they are never going to give up. They got a team full of dogs. They're going to scrap for every single minute of the game. And even though they played one of their worst games throughout the course of this postseason run so far, they were still in that game. And again, every team throughout a, a, a run in the postseason is going to have at least one or two bad games. And that was really the Heat's first bad game. Jay Crowder was missing shots. A lot of shots that he usually hits. Duncan Robinson was cold throughout the first three quarters. Tyler Hero couldn't buy a bucket. And then Jimmy Butler wasn't even searching for his shot when the Heat were down 15 to almost 20 points. And I know the team is going to need him to be as aggressive as possible if they want to get to the NBA Finals because that's just the type of player he is. And when he's aggressive, he makes a big type of impact. So we'll see what happens tomorrow. That will be game four. We'll see if the Celtics can even up the series or if the Heat can take that 3-1 lead. It's going to get interesting, man. That series is going to be much, much better than the Western Conference Finals. But let's get into the main subject today. So last week, this time, or, or about this time last week, game seven between the Denver Nuggets and the Los Angeles Clippers took place where the Nuggets, honestly, they didn't dominate the game, but they pretty much did dominate this game. And they won game seven by a score of 104 to 89. That is a 15 point win for the Denver Nuggets after coming back from a 3-1 deficit in the series to win the series in advance to the Western Conference Finals, where of course they're playing the Lakers right now. And so we have to talk about the Clippers. I feel like I'd be doing you guys a huge disservice if I did not talk about the Los Angeles Clippers. So I don't even know where to start, but I'm going to just start here. If I had to point the blame at anybody when it comes to the Los Angeles Clippers for their unsuccessful season, I got to point the finger at Doc Rivers first and foremost, because honestly, the Clippers should have never even been in a seven game situation against a Denver Nuggets team. That is a really good team. And I'm a fan of the Denver Nuggets and you got to give them credit. Jamal Murray had an outstanding series. Nikola Jokic was surgical. He was absolutely picking apart the Los Angeles Clippers defense. They had zero answers for him. Getting Gary Harris back was huge for the Nuggets. They played excellent basketball and also big credit to Mike Malone who outcoached Doc Rivers by miles. And so when it comes to Doc Rivers, my biggest thing with Doc Rivers and my biggest concern with the Clippers going into this playoff run was do they have enough chemistry to honestly win a NBA championship this year? Because if you look at the regular season before the coronavirus hit, the Clippers were dealing with Kawhi load management. They were dealing with Paul George injuries. I think Patrick Beverly got hurt a little bit throughout the season. I think Lou Will was hurt for a minute. Montrez Harrell going to the bubble. He wasn't even there for a minute. He leaves. He comes back. Lou Will leaves. He comes back. And it's just like the Clippers never really had a chance to all play together. They had, if, if I had to put a percentage on the type of chemistry they had, it was probably about a 25%. And it showed throughout these playoffs because if you look at it, honestly, also, the Clippers barely should have even survived the first round against the Dallas Mavericks. Like, if you really put it together, like, if the refs don't eject Christoph Porzingis in game one, they probably lose that game. The Mavericks probably win that game. And then, you know, I don't like doing the if, ands, or buts, or, you know, or, no, or, the, or the ifs, but if Christoph Porzingis doesn't get hurt, the Mavericks win that series because Luka Doncic really just had to carry the load for himself, and it was easier for them to guard that. But if they had Porzingis healthy there too, the Clippers probably would not would not have won. And so that's my thing too. 
they had zero chemistry offensively, and then they barely had any chemistry defensively because if you watch the Nuggets series, Nikola Jokic was unguardable, and he was doing everything in his power from he was dropping dimes. I remember game seven when they were up by probably like the last three to two minutes. Nikola Jokic was chilling on the free throw line, and his back was to the basket. He was facing the other basket, and literally, I think it was Jamal Murray made a backdoor cut on Patrick Beverly. Beverly was guarding him hard. Nikola Jokic threw a no-look pass over his shoulder, almost for an N1 opportunity, but Patrick Beverly kind of did an excessive foul, and I was just like, okay, the Nuggets don't even respect these dudes at this point, and I was just laughing at him because not only do you have Paul George you know, talking crazy to Damian Lillard and stuff like that. Patrick Beverly is always going to talk from, he was trying to disrespect Dame at the free throw line and stuff like that. And he was going crazy with Russell Westbrook. And you know, Patrick Beverly, he's always going to talk, forget all that. And so it's just like, how do you guys even lose this series? Because the moment Kawhi signed with the Clippers this past offseason, everybody's talking about it's his city. Not everybody, but a lot of people were saying it's his city. You know, he's the new man in LA, which of course he was, but when you're going to do all this campaign and all this ad marketing, like you better at least play the Lakers. You better at least get to the Western Conference Finals. Like the Clippers have zero Western Conference Finals appearances. And I'm just like looking at it, being from Southern California, the only thing that can come to mind is the Clippers are always going to clip. Because me personally, when the Clippers had Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan, um, J.J. Redick, Lob City, when they had those Lob City teams that were stacked two, those teams probably should have won a Larry O'Brien NBA championship as well, and they didn't. They fell short every single year. And I'm so I'm just like, what is going to happen? And me personally, if I'm the Clippers, I'm not thinking about breaking it up. You don't fire Doc Rivers. You keep this team together, and you figure it out because you do have another year to try this thing out. And I know, you know, shout out to Shams, who does a fantastic job of reporting all NBA news. He came out a couple days ago and pretty much said that, you know, Paul George, after the Game 7 loss versus the Nuggets, in the locker room, I guess he tried to have a speech where he was just like, we got to stay com committed and we got to try and run this thing back for next year. And I guess it was met by, quote-unquote, eye rolls and bewilderment by his teammates. And I understand that. You're, it's right after a Game 7 loss. The whole locker room is probably frustrated. Everybody feels let down. Everybody feels and knows that they were supposed to accomplish more than what they did. But Paul George is right. you got to keep this thing together. I heard they're trying to shop for Drew Holiday, but I don't think that's the answer. Honestly, they might have to cut some players off this team because I feel like sometimes it's just a thing where it's too many chefs in the kitchen. It's too many people trying to do the same thing, and you just got too many guys trying to do that. Like, Lou Will didn't play that good in the, in this play in this postseason. He did not play that good. Montrezl Harrell didn't play that good this postseason. I'm not saying you cut them, but if you're Paul George, you need to focus on your mental health first and foremost. Like, if I was Paul George, I probably wouldn't even played if my mental health was as bad as he's claiming it out to be because he was playing terrible basketball. That shot where he shot it from the corner wide open and hit the side of the backboard – I was like, okay, it's something really, really wrong with Paul George. This was a dude in 2014 who looked like he was the next Tracy McGrady without the injuries. That's how he was playing. And now he looks like he's just an average role player. And so also my thing was too, like, I can't even point the finger at Kawhi Leonard because also if you were paying attention, Kawhi Leonard was the best player every single time the Clippers took the court in the bubble every single time Kawhi Leonard showed up every game now did he have a bad game seven yes and was that a very big time moment for him in his career yes but at the same time Kawhi Leonard also does still have a finals MVP 
as a young player, as a fourth or fifth option, as a member of the San Antonio Spurs. Also, don't forget, just last season, he gets traded to the Toronto Raptors, and in one season, he leads them to their first NBA championship in franchise history. So Kawhi Leonard is solidified, and also he was a Finals MVP last year as well. So he has two rings and two Finals MVPs from two different conferences. So you got to give him his credit for that too. Again, could he have played a much, much better Game 7 than he did versus the Nuggets? Of course. But at the same time, they should have never even been in that situation. The Clippers are a solid team on paper, but they did not have it all together on the court where they needed it to be the most. And that was their biggest problem. So Doc Rivers, he's going to have a lot of explaining to do. He's going to have to do a lot of adjusting to get this team on one page for next season because it's going to be a short offseason. The offseason is probably either going to be one, maybe two months long at the max. So they're going to have to figure it out real, real quick. And really, you're going to have to really start debating and thinking about should we continue to low manage Kawhi Leonard? Paul George, we need you to stay as healthy as possible. Lou Will, you got to be as healthy as possible. Like, they're going to have to get this team to play together in the regular season for at least 40 games, at least half the season, because they did not play at all that much throughout the course of the regular season together as one team. And I'm not using that as an excuse at all. When you have a top three player in Kawhi Leonard and an all-star player in Paul George, one of the best six men of all time in Lou Will, and a Hall of Fame head coach in Jock Rivers, you don't get excuses. You have to get the job done. And getting the job done isn't necessarily even winning a, a ring this year, but at the very least, you better get to the Western Conference Finals where you can match up against your crosstown rivals or your, you know, your not your crosstown, but your in-stadium rivals, in-house you know house rivals in the Lakers. You got to at least play the Lakers. And for them, not even to get a chance to play the Lakers as a basketball fan, it's disheartening because that's what everybody was looking forward to when the move was announced that Paul George was going to end up being a Los Angeles Clipper. And then, also, too, people forget, last season when the Clippers traded for Paul George, they traded away damn near every single one of their, excuse me, every single one of their assets until 2026. They traded away all their draft capital. They traded away Shea Gildas-Alexander, Danilo Gallinari. They traded away some really, really good pieces. And now, you got to come back and run it back again for year two because right now, it's just bad. Like, LeBron is about to sweep the Nuggets, and you guys are at home on vacation. So you got to figure it out. You got to do what you got to do. And Doc Rivers, again, he's going to have to do a lot of adjusting, a lot of switching things around. He might have to look at this roster and put things together. Because Jerry West, who we all know is a legend, he's the logo for a reason. He's one of the greatest basketball players of all time. He's not settling for mediocrity, especially with this team. He's not settling for mediocrity. The Clippers aren't going to be mediocre for the rest of their franchise history. Like, that's in the history. That's in the past. They're trying to make some new things happen. But as of right now, they look like the Clippers are old. And maybe it will never change. Who knows? But Jerry West is a genius when it comes to basketball. He has a, a outstanding basketball mind. He's going to have to do some things. I think they're probably going to have to take a look at trading away some players because, again, it's just too many chefs in the kitchen. But at the same time, the nucleus of players that they do have from Pat Bev, Kawhi, PG, you know, Lou Will, and Montrez, I think you keep those guys, but you might have to make an upgrade at the big man. I was never a big fan of Zubak. You might have to bring in a couple bench players. Like, because, you know, I do like Landry Shamit. I do like Shamit. Shamit's a good player. But as of right now, like, after that, like, yeah, Lou Will's good. Montrez is good. You know, they just need a couple other players. And I'm not even saying they need players, because, again, they have a really good team as constructed. But... 
they got to figure it out because it's just not working. It didn't work at all for the course of this season. And again, the Clippers are always going to clip, man. So we'll see what happens. I don't think any, you know, big changes are going to come, but the Clippers, they got to do better. It's simple as that just because the team that they have, no way they should have lost in the second round of the Western Conference playoffs. Just no way. But moving on, though, before I get y'all out of here, getting into some recruiting news. One of my favorite point guards that's currently in the class of 2021, but he also just announced that he will be enrolling into college at the end of this semester, if I'm not mistaken. So that will be like in the winter, towards the end of the winter semester, uh, or excuse me, towards the end of the fall semester, going into the winter semester. And he goes by the name of Carter Witt. I actually talked about Carter Witt, I believe a few months ago. He's actually a native of Raleigh, North Carolina. If you know Raleigh, they produce some really good basketball players from John Wall to a whole bunch of other players. Carter Witt, 6'3 point guard from Raleigh, North Carolina. He just finished up this past season, his junior season at Leesville Road High School in Raleigh, North Carolina, but he announced that he will be transferring to Brewster Academy, which is a very big-time basketball program located in New Hampshire that's produced players like Donovan Mitchell, Eric Pascoe of the uh, Golden State Warriors, and a whole bunch of other players. But he announced he will be leaving, and he will be sitting out this season, and he will be getting ready for college basketball. And so yesterday, he officially announced his commitment to Wake Forest University in his home state of North Carolina, in Winston-Salem. He will be a demon deacon this upcoming season. And this is a huge get for about-to-be first-year head coach Steve Forbes, who, of course, came over from Eastern Tennessee State University this past summer to be the new head coach at Wake Forest. This is a huge get for him because Carter Witt, this past season in his junior year at Leesville Road High School in North Carolina, he averaged 23 points per game, 7 assists per game, and nine rebounds per game. If you watch Carter Witt before, he is a complete point guard. He's kind of skinny. He got long blonde hair. He doesn't look like your average point guard, but he's shifty with the rock. He he always keeps the ball on a string. His eyes are always up. He always can read each and every single defense. Not only does he know where all of his teammates are, but he knows where every single defensive player is at as well. And that are that is a big sign and a huge sign of the makings for to be a really good point guard. Carter Witt is already that. He has a really good package. He can get to the mid-range jumper and, and floater game practically whenever he wants to because his crossover is so legit. His pace, his change of pace is just different from any other point guard that I've ever seen before. And really, his dime package, the way he passes the ball and gets his teammates involved is so efficient and so fluid because he's just good at getting into the lane and creating for other people. And I think for him... To stay in-state and go to a school that's not Duke or North Carolina is huge, and that's a big win for Wake Forest because, again, if you're Steve Forbes, you got to recruit with, you know, you got to compete recruiting-wise with Duke, North Carolina, NC State, and a couple other schools, and now you got a big-time point guard and a point guard that I love in Carter Witt, who I think is going to be a really, really good ACC point guard for years to come because he just has all the tangibles that you need in a good starting point guard. And, of course, Wake Forest has had some really good point guards from, you know, this past season, they have Brandon Childress, or excuse me, Brandon, yeah, Brandon Childress, I believe his name. You had Chris Paul. You have his father, Randolph Childress. You have some really good point guards go through Wake Forest, and I do think Carter Witt is going to end up being a really solid point guard for the Demon Deacons as well, man. So big-time recruiting win for Steve Forbes and the Demon Deacons. If you are a fan of Wake Forest, you should definitely be happy for this pickup. Carter Witt is going to bring a lot of flair, a lot of fun, a lot of big-time highlight-making plays by the time he is ready to get over and become a Demon Deacon and be the lead point guard on this roster because I do 
for a fact believe that he will end up being the starting point guard at Wake Forest. I don't know if it will be in his freshman year, but definitely by the time he's a sophomore and for sure by the time he's a junior, he's going to be a big time league guard in the ACC conference, man. But as always, shout out to Nuts and Bolts Sports, man. I'm a college basketball writer slash blogger slash um, podcaster for Nuts and Bolts Sports, man. Featured alongside a whole bunch of other really talented writers slash bloggers slash podcasters, man. Please go check us out. We are at Nuts and Bolts SP on both Twitter and Instagram. Please go give us a follow. Go retweet us. Go show us some love. Go follow us. All that good stuff, man. Trust me and believe me when I tell you guys that for all your sports news and needs, Nuts and Bolts Sports has it all for you. I'm also featured on Nuts and Bolts Sports Podcast Network alongside a whole bunch of other really good content creators, man. So please go check out our long list of podcasts. We got a whole bunch of great sports podcasts out there for all your sports news and needs. Again, trust me and believe me when I tell you guys that Nuts and Bolts Sports has it all for you guys. As always, man, this has been another episode of the Kevo Bands Hoops Podcast, man. Please like, comment, subscribe, rate, review, and share. And if you listen to my podcast on Apple Podcasts, please leave a rate and review. That is how we share, grow, and expand the podcast. You guys be safe out there. Have fun. Enjoy yourself today. Work hard. Do what you got to do to make ends meet. And just keep getting better each and every single day, man. As always, peace, love, and blessings.